Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about how to keep your network in motion. Yeah. What do we mean? What are we talking about? What's a network? What, what do you mean in motion? <laughs> I was thinking about this um, when I was talking to a client yesterday who was struggling with having to call a list of about 10 to 15 former clients because he needed work. But he hadn't been in touch with them for a while, and so he felt really awkward about picking up the phone or writing an email. And so we were talking about the importance of kind of keeping your network always moving mm -hmm. so you don't feel like a douche. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Basically. And who hasn't been there? Like, if you went through a freelancer phase or a solo consulting phase or when you first started out... I've heard this so many times, it's happened to me from time to time when you're like, you get really busy with work. So this happens, you know, of course I'm gonna say, this happens a lot when you're billing by the hour because you wanna put in more time, more time, more time to get more money, more money, more money. And then you have no time to do things like keep up your relationships, do marketing, update your website, all, you know, all these different things that are sort of, sort of tilling the soil of your business because you're just like constantly executing. You're constantly doing the execution work of whatever projects you're working on. You have no time left over. So what happened, that's where the feast famine cycle comes from. Because then you get to, you know, your project wraps. And maybe you've been working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, especially to get it over the finish line. And all of a sudden you're like, uh, whoops. I, <laughs> yeah. Where's my, I have, I've gotten no leads in three months. I... I don't know what to do. And then you're like, uh, I could email people, but it's the first time they've been hearing from me in probably a year, maybe more. And it's like, mm, got any money for me? I need money. I'm guilty of this with um, my parents where I, you know, get busy with the kids and everything. And then I'm like, oh, we need a babysitter. Hey, hey mom, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the worst. It, you feel terrible. You know, it's like, oh, uh, glad everything's going great. Listen, we're looking for somebody on Saturday to uh, watch the kids. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> it's a good thing she loves you. It's terrible. Right. It's terrible. So yeah. it, it, you don't want to do that. The wonderful thing is the solution is so easy. The solution is so easy. So that's what we're going to talk about today. It's like, where do you even start? I'll just quiz you. How would you recommend keeping it on your radar to reach out to people, even when things are air quotes, getting busy and life is getting busy and work is getting busy and all those things? This is not going to surprise you. If, if you don't have it on the, on the schedule, it doesn't get done. Unless you're naturally the kind of person who does that. And then you're not going to be listening to this episode because you're going to go, I already know how to do this. I don't need you guys. It's about getting it into your regular routine. And I think it's whatever works for the way that you work. So like for me... I like to chunk things and do a bunch at once. I, like I get in this mood and I'll say, all right, I'm feeling friendly now, right? I want to reach out to people and I'll just, I'll just carve out maybe a half an hour of my time one day a week. And it could, sometimes it's less because it's just, I'm just going to ping something or I'm going to see something in social media. Other times it'll be, it'll be very specific versus looking at my master list. I might just go to LinkedIn and say, all right, who have I not talked to in here for a while? And I might have a chat with them on LinkedIn rather than through an email. I mean, it depends. Or I might go to Twitter. There are some people who I wouldn't necessarily call like friends with a capital F, 
but there are people that I, right, capital F friends, small F friends, but there are people that I enjoy, that we learn from each other. And so then I might go on Twitter and have a little public conversation with them or a private one. For me, it's about the scheduling and doing it naturally. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you do? So this is going to shock you, <laughs> but it's more sporadic for me. But it is consistent in the sense that I don't kind of batch it into a particular slot on the calendar. But over time, I've conditioned myself to be super sensitive to any natural organic opportunity to ping a a person. And I'm thinking of a couple of examples where someone from my mailing list emailed me and I didn't, didn't know the name. I hadn't met them, but then they said, oh, I heard of you through this other person who I've worked with before, haven't gotten, haven't talked to in the longest time. And I was like, oh, instead of just like old me 10 years ago, I'd have been like, oh, I should really ping Dan and then never do it. I immediately jumped on Twitter because I knew that was, that was the place where he would be most responsive, most likely. And I was just like, hey man, how's it going? I haven't talked in so long. We should like get together. And that turned into stuff. I didn't mean for it to, I didn't know where it was going to go, but it was kind of like when you and I met, we jumped on a Skype call and said, Hey, let's just catch up. And that it turned into a podcast episode on my other show and, and future plans for collaboration. And it's great. And you want it to be that way. You want it to be not forced. Yeah. And even with, with, if you set aside a time, like if you're not feeling it, don't do it. I mean, this is about relationships. It's not about checking a thing off your list. Right. Yeah, I mean, we're in the relationship business at the end of the day, and I I know introverts cringe when they hear that, but I don't consider myself super outgoing. Like, I need a lot of downtime to recharge my batteries. Like, I don't mind going out and being around people. I don't have anxiety about it, but it's I'd just as be just as happy to sit for three hours and read a book by myself. So I'm sort of in the middle, but whether you're natural at it or you're more introverted, it doesn't need to be like you know, showing up at a networking event or like these in-person things and, and sharing the same air. It can be as simple as a DM on Twitter, a quick email, a LinkedIn DM, like you said, like whatever, whatever the contact is, it doesn't have to be like maybe for the past five or 10 years, the idea of calling someone without a warning seems really rude to me. And I know not everybody's like that, but, but to me, it's always going to be some text-based format. And it happens a lot that I'm like, oh, I should really send this link to Jeff or, oh man, the target. And this is one of the things that will trigger it for me is like a news event. So when there's a big news event, or maybe it's big in a, in a tech niche or something that I'm, I'm, you know, I was going to get on my radar. Like when the uh, recently target cash register, the target POS went down like nationwide for hours. And immediately I was like, oh, I know, like, I know exactly how I need to forward this to like, oh, you probably saw this already, but man, if you know anybody at Target, you should really follow up with them because it was in his wheelhouse and he had already heard about it, but still it was like, Hey, saw this thought of you. I think it's the thought that counts is there's no ask. There's no like reciprocity. There's just, it's like, Hey, so it took practice to get my brain to for those opportunities to surface to a fully conscious level, because they would kind of like be like a blip and like almost go completely conscious to be like, Oh, I should really tell. And then back to whatever I was doing. (laughs) But over time you kind of recognize, I recognize that that's a great opportunity to first of all, help someone. And second of all, you know, cause maybe they didn't see it. 
and the, just sort of like just sort of like rekindle the relationship. And then it's like, Hey, what's going on? How's business? Uh, whatever. Is there anything, you know, I probably wouldn't go so far as to say, is there anything I can do to help your business? It's a little too, a little too side hustly for me, but uh, a little too growth hackerish. And it doesn't feel right. What you said is maybe a way to think about that are triggers. You know, there will be things that trigger your thinking of someone and that's the key. So when you, when you have that moment is to pass it on I've had the same experience. Sometimes people have seen it already, but they like that you sent it to them. And if they haven't, then they're like, oh, this is really interesting. Thank you. And you always get that little, I shouldn't say always, almost always get that little follow-up. So how's it going? You know, how's, how's work? How's this? How's your family? How are your friends? How's your dog? But that's what relationships are is, you know, that's that kind of connective tissue around a business relationship. I agree. You shouldn't force it. That just, I mean, who wants to do that? Right. Now, which isn't to say that you can't set up the conditions to make it more natural. One thing that I would suggest is if this is not a habit that you're into yet is to obviously think about what it is that you do. Think about your past clients and what they're interested in, where it intersects with what you do. And, you know, look at say, uh, an annual calendar of events that are important in the space and put it on your calendar. Like for me, it's Google IO and WWDC and other various Apple announcements, big tech announcements, F8, uh, from Facebook. And those happen throughout the year. And whenever they happen, I'll go and watch the keynote. I won't, I don't just watch the WWDC keynote in five minutes from the verge or whatever. I'll actually watch the whole thing. And you know, and it can be two or three hours sometimes and take notes on everything that happened. Cause it, it was good for me to know that stuff anyway. And a lot of times the, the tech sites, they miss stuff that's actually important to people. I know they're maybe not the biggest news, but it's very interesting for a particular person I know. So I'll watch the whole thing. I'll take notes on it. And, and as I'm doing it, I'm like, Oh, I have to tell Lee about that. Like def, he probably didn't see it because it's buried in this three hour keynote. And it's huge. It could potentially be a giant opportunity. So you can look at your calendar and be like, well, what are the big things? Is it in your space? There are probably periodically these conferences. Maybe they live stream the keynotes. Maybe there's a Twitter feed from the conference with a hashtag or something. It's good for you to go through that and sort of uh, keep yourself on the cutting edge of whatever is happening in your industry. But then also have that secondary response of like, who should I tell about this? And and in those particular cases, when it's an annual event like that, and you've got maybe three or four different annual events per year that, that are in your space, that's the one that almost always, I think, of past clients where I'm like, ooh, past client A it needs to hear about this, past client B probably didn't hear this and they would it'd be interesting to know. So anything that happens in like FinTech, I'm going to send to people from the, my past in the credit union space and anything that happens in photography, I'm going to send to my photography, my ex past photography clients. It's great. It's super natural. I'm not looking for anything. It's just like, I wanted to do the research anyway. And, and, oh, look, I can kind of pass this on to people and be like, Hey, you know, two hours and 10 minutes into the Apple keynote, they talk about this new machine learning, privacy focused, you know, photo sorting thing with face recognition, which is kind of like an advanced version of what we worked on together. It might be interesting to look into, maybe switch over to shooting with iPhones or, you know, whatever. I think that is a way to, to kind of split the difference between forcing it and like looking like what, you know, who should I <laughs> like scanning the news and like, 
looking for any opportunity, like, like racking your brain. Like it shouldn't be like that, but it kind of splits the difference between having a plan and having it be regular and then say, okay, this is going to happen no matter what, like this event is going to happen no matter what I might as well take notes on the keynote or whatever. And then, and then have that secondary impulse, let it be a trigger for you to be like, okay, and who should I send this to? instead of just keeping the research for yourself. Well, yeah, and and that whole imperative to share, that's part of what being an authority is. It's really hard to move on that curve from expert to authority without sharing. (laughs) Yes. I mean, it's like we have to build it into our DNA. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that struck me is it's this whole idea of staying in touch with people is a little bit like creativity, where... I believe you need to set aside time for creativity so that, you know, you don't wait for inspiration to strike. Oh, maybe I'll write a blog post today. And then inspiration doesn't strike for another three months, right? You create the conditions by giving yourself space. I think this is the same thing. It's you just have to build in some time, whether you do it spontaneously or you do it because you have a, an inviolate entry on your calendar every week or every month or every day. It's, it's just, you've just got to create those conditions and go after it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I was just thinking of, um, something that happened to me when I left big firm consulting. Um, I left with a two year non-compete and I'd watched people before me leave. And it was really interesting. They would literally not contact a client until like the day after their non-compete expired and then they're calling everybody. And those clients were, of course, my clients because I was still with the firm and the client would tell me about it. And they'd go, God, can you believe, you know, Joe did this? Like, I know to the day when his non-compete is up. So I thought about that. And so when I left and had the non-compete, I went to all of my clients that I had the non-compete with and I said, I just want you to be aware. I've got a two-year non-compete. But I'm going to stay in touch with you. I am not going to pitch you on anything. I'm not going to put any of this ethically at risk. I just want you to know that I value the relationship. So we won't work together for a couple of years, but I'd hate to not know you for those two years. And I did it in a very particular way because I didn't want somebody coming back and saying that I was trying to pitch people. And do you know, clients told me when my non-compete was up. <laughs> Boom. I was like, yes, yes. And it was such a big lesson. That's such a, a big run. lesson. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that people just want to be valued. They want to know that that you like them for them, whether you're going to work with them or not. And if they're if they're in your your tribe, your circle, your ideal audience, then you value them, right? It's just making them feel it kind of one-to-one yeah and so as you were talking about that it occurred to me that one of the pieces of advice that i often give to people about it's more about a sales thing is when you're sort of in that early dance where you haven't you know it's a brand new prospect brand new potential client you've never worked with them before and you're both trying to get like a bead on each other and decide if there's going to be a good fit and one of the big red flags or like potential red flags is if you don't really like the person that much and so the way that i kind of summarize that for people because everybody's going to like different kinds of people is to just not work with somebody who you wouldn't want to go out to dinner with because if you do stick with people like that it solves so many problems. It solves all these like weird legal things. It solves weird scope creep things because they're reasonable people and you communicate well together, you get each other. 
And what we're kind of doing is extrapolating that into the future, especially in your situation where you literally couldn't work with them, but you're walking the walk of you're actually friends with them. And some people might argue, they might think that's a little too kumbaya to be like, I shouldn't have to like my, my clients. That's ridiculous. This is business. This isn't like I've got enough friends, stuff like that. And I'm like, "Er, that's for me. I get that. I totally get that. And sometimes things have to get business like, and get tense on a six month or a 12 month project with a client, things can get tense, but that's the same with like pretty much any relationship. Things are going to, they're going to have those moments and hiding behind this sort of like, well, it's, it's just business. Sorry. To me is just not the way I want to run things. So I don't know. I, I guess what I'm saying is it's like, you just connected a dot for me that is sort of like, it's the same thing. It's just later in the relationship where like, like, I'm not going to work with you. I don't like you. The flip side is if I'm working with you, I like you. And if I like you, then why would I stop contacting you after you stop paying me? So exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, exactly. I never thought of it like that though. Well, I think the other thing is when I was in that big firm and, and our market was local. I mean, I was serving clients in the Chicago area and if I got on a plane, it was something specific to a client project, but the HQ, all those people were in Chicago. And so it's natural to become part of the fabric of their community. And some were really, really good friends. And some, I wouldn't say that, again, they're not capital F friends, but we were very friendly. I liked them. I wanted to know more about them. And what I learned in the course of doing that for 10 years is that the ones that I didn't like, I I just like I didn't do as well with them. And, and if they didn't like me, they just didn't pick me. Right. Because clients have the choice. So if they didn't like me, I didn't really see much of them. But it was really interesting how much easier it was to grow a relationship and grow the business, which is mutual between two organizations over time when you liked each other. It's so much simpler. So, yeah, I didn't want to spend 24 seven with clients. And one of the reasons I left is I really didn't want to go play golf I just didn't want to build business on the golf course. That just wasn't wasn't how I worked. But yeah, there's just something really powerful about being able to be friendly and to really like, and I would argue, or not argue, I would add to that respect, the people that, that you work with. For me, it's critical. It's a relationship. And just because money is changing hands, it doesn't make it any less so. Like you're exchanging value, yes, and the, the way that you're exchanging it is you're applying your expertise to grow their business and they're giving you money or, or maybe some other kind of compensation. It can be great. If, if the idea of reaching back out to past clients is like, makes you kind of like, ugh, you know, like, you know that <laughs> feeling when, when you do end up with a red flag client on the books and you just like get up in the morning and you open your inbox and there's like an email from you, like, ugh, you just ugh. like get the dread and you don't want to open it. Yeah. That's, you, you don't have to have that. <laughs> like that's, that is not a condition of being a freelancer or a consultant or certainly not an authority. That is not a thing that you have to deal with. You can just be like, you know what? This isn't working out. Let's end a relationship here. I can tell you're frustrated. I'm frustrated and not to get into a different topic, but, but it doesn't have to be like that. And if you're, if you can carve out enough profit and positive cash flow or runway or something to be a little bit more choosy all the time, all the time, be a little bit more choosy working with people who you like, it'll be more natural to keep in touch with them later. 
And like while we're talking, I, I'm already I've accidentally written down like four names of people like, oh, I should really, <laughs> you know, it's just a question of, of making the habit for it to occur to you. And I like the idea of implanting certain triggers into your schedule, whether it's a, a recurring weekly or monthly thing, maybe the first of the month, that's the day. First of the month, you're like, this is the day when I like go through my Rolodex and or I go through the news or maybe it's an event or maybe it's a daily thing or maybe, it, you know, whatever. Who can I, We did an episode about who can I help today and it, it's the same concept. Because it is about helping. I mean, that's really what this is all about. It's, it's helping people. I think what it is is that when somebody offers, reaches out to me, I want to feel like there's something about me that they like versus like, here's an example. When you get a LinkedIn connection request and you can kind of tell from their headline that they're probably salesy and I'll, I'll usually accept them anyway. And then the first email to me is, Rochelle, let me tell you about this great system we have. Can we schedule a call? And I'm like, oh, you know, delete. That's the kind, and I know nobody on this, that's listening to this podcast would do that, but that's the kind of thing that we all hate. I love it when people start a conversation about something, you know, that they're interested in that relates to something that's on mine, on my profile or that I've written about or talked about. I mean, that, it's powerful. And then when you know what resonates with someone, it tells you a little bit about them. And I mean, that's a great basis for starting a relationship, even a virtual one. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And for folks, and just to sort of like build on that a little bit, some folks, and I know a lot of them are software developers or a lot of software developers feel this way because they get barraged with recruiters on LinkedIn. It's hard for uh, folks I talk to to believe that anybody would be interested in starting up a conversation with a stranger, but that is absolutely not the case. <laughs> and I, I know dear, dear software developer listener, you can't imagine like it's, it offends you for someone to send a connection request who is a stranger and that's fine. But there are people out there who are not offended by that. And you can just send a connection request because they there's something interesting about them. You don't have to have a, a huge reason. It could just be like, yeah, interesting. They work at an interesting company. They work at Pixar. They do some sort of virtual reality thing or they, you know, Internet of Things or something that interests you. And they have like a wild job title. Just connect with them. It's no big deal. Hey, I saw your, I saw your headline. It seems like a really interesting job. And some people are going to ignore it or delete it or whatever. But no one is going to attack you. They're just going to be like, oh. They're either going to accept it or not. And if they do, you just be like, thanks for accepting. doesn't have to be a big thing. It's funny you say that because the last few LinkedIn requests I've gotten have been from software people. And they actually do the best LinkedIn introductions, I have to say. <laughs> so the stereotype is quiet, introverted, thoughtful. And so the thoughtful is definitely in there. But they usually pick something. And it, a lot of times it's the podcast, you know, that they've heard. And they'll tell me something that links. Like sometimes they'll use your name. Oh, somebody wrote just the other day and said, I'm a JS alum. And I knew that meant Jonathan Stark. I was, I was chuckling about that. But they so far, they've always linked back to something that we have in common. So, I mean, I think, I think the software guys are, or I should say software people, not just guys. I think they're, um, they're getting it. Good. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Because not to beat a dead horse, but it's a relationship business. And the more relationships you have, the more good relationships you have, better is for everyone. 
So speaking of more relationship you have, there's, there's another thing that happens and maybe you're, you've got a better sort of trigger or strategy or tactic that you use to foster this particular one. But another one that I really like is when I have an opportunity to introduce two people who don't know each other, you know, two people I know that don't know each other. So kind of matchmaking for, and, and I've been the recipient of tons of these. And again, some people are really annoyed when they get stuff like this. I am not. And there are plenty of people who are not annoyed when they get stuff like this. So don't be afraid to do it. If you accidentally annoy someone, they'll tell you and you'll know not to do that to them again, but it's not universally despised. <laughs> um, so the, the way that it usually crops up is that somebody will say something like in a Slack room. So like a Slack room that's full of like-minded people, birds of some kind of feather that I happen to be in, be like, hey, does anybody know somebody that does this? Or does anybody know like a VA? Or does anybody know a good copywriter or have a lawyer or something like that? And that's a real obvious one where you're like, oh yeah, I do or I don't. But if I do, then yeah, I'd be happy to introduce you. Like my lawyer's a great guy. I believe that you're a great guy. We've been in this room together for two years. So I'll send the email introduction. And that's usually the way it works is kind of random. That's not in my control when someone's going to say, hey, does anybody know somebody like this? And occasionally, it's fairly rare, but occasionally I'll come across someone who does something really unusual. Like they have a really, you know, like they do blockchain for embedded devices or something nuts. And I'll be like, you know who you should talk to is this person in this adjacent industry. Or like, this is the one that happened most recently. Someone who is an advocate for remote work. So someone who essentially teaches enterprises who are thinking about starting to let their employees work from home or outside of the office at any rate. So that's his thing. And then another person I know who is in the co-working space community where these people might work. So they don't do the same thing. They're not in competition with each other, but they have this kind of potentially like a synchronicity or like potential like partnership. Maybe something could happen there. So I'm like, something could happen here. These two people have this kind of thing that feels like it's two puzzle pieces that look like they fit together. But that doesn't happen that often. Maybe that happens to me once a month or once every two months where I'm like, oh, two puzzle pieces that fit, you know? And it'd be cool. I'm kind of hoping, hoping that you're going to be like, oh, here's a great way to set up the conditions for that to happen more frequently. So here's one that I would imagine doing, although I've never done it, is, is to reach out to people to say, you know, see, I can't even bring myself to do it. This is a little too weird. It's kind of like, <laughs> wait, why are you asking? I know where you're going. <laughs> yeah, it's something like, hey... Um, is there anybody you'd like to be introduced to that you think I might know? Like kind of like that, but that's too clunky. Right. Well, I've got a couple thoughts. And one is for a long time after I first moved to LA, I belonged to a networking group. And that was one of the things that you would do. We, We would do, we'd have a big meeting and then they would assign you to a small meeting that we did separately with three people. And each of the people described what they did and the kind of client they wanted to meet. And so ideally, the other two people say, oh, well, gee, I know so-and-so who's exactly who you should meet. And so I actually used to do a lot of these, but I would only do them where they didn't feel awkward. You're doing it because you're in a meeting and you have to. One way to do it is 
when you have a, a call with somebody, and it really, I think it kind of has to be a conversation. I think it's hard to do solely an email. So let's assume that you've got some chemistry with the person. And part of that conversation is, so, you know, how do you, what do you look for in your business? Like, how, who's your client? Who do you grow? You know, you do it naturally, not, you know, who would you like to be introduced to? And then what you might do is to say somewhere in that conversation, so if I come across someone who's one, two, three, would that be somebody you would want me to introduce you to so that you're kind of asking permission in advance. And so you're creating more of the conditions. And, and what might happen is that person you're talking to might do the same back to you. They might not, but they might. And so that's part of what makes those conversations helpful is that you're teaching people how to find people for you, if you will. Mm, yes. Giving them so right. This is funny because I have a an exercise that I, a positioning exercise that I have people do when they're just clueless about they just don't know what they do. They don't know how to say it. They're like, I don't know. I just and then they tell me activities that they engage in and not what how they help people or who they help. And 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 they can't even get there. So I'll be like, all right, let's we're gonna play the introduction game. And it's kind of what you just described, where it's kind of like, who would you like? An introduction to and it could be a it could be a specific individual like jeff bezos sorry i don't know jeff bezos but i know somebody that works at amazon maybe that's good enough or it could be a kind of person it could be like a ceo of a of a funded startup or it could be a type of it could be a vertical it could be a psychograph it could be some, some segment do you know anybody who trains thoroughbred horses something like that i have this little we'll link to it in the show notes like this this back and forth thing that you can do with anybody because everybody knows somebody and you could just somebody who you have chemistry with, someone you're friends with, probably you say, let's do the introduction game. It's pretty much the networking thing. I thought I invented it. <laughs> it's pretty much <laughs> the networking thing that you, <laughs> that you just described where it's like you have to because the thing is people who need to play this game don't know how to give the other person enough information for the other person to help. So person A is like, oh, I. I don't know, I kind of do this and they talk for like three minutes and maybe pull out a PowerPoint deck. And like, this is what, these are all the things that I do. And the other person's like, okay, but, and they kind of work together so that the the person B kind of abstracts what person A is talking about to the point where a normal human could understand it. And then they go back the other way where it's like, okay. And it's it's kind of that, I describe what I do to person B, person B says it back to me. It's completely different, way oversimplified, but basically correct and, and much more useful. And what you're doing is you're building up the tool. You're giving the other person the tools to help you. So like if you just say, hey, um, I help companies with marketing. It's like, well, do you know any companies? Do you know anybody <laughs> that works at a company? It's too big. You can't have like a Rolodex moment from that. You need to be, it needs to be like, do you know anybody in the medical device in, in medical device company, like senior leadership and medical device company? Like, I, and I can immediately say yes or no to that. And like it just saying that I thought I was picking something at random, but I immediately thought of someone. You need to pick a focus that's specific enough that it clicks with the other person. They can start running down that Rolodex in their mind. But anyway, we're just getting a little bit off topic. Well, here's another advantage of doing that, which is if you're not specific and people actually send you introductions, you're going to be, what? Like, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> you know, this person that you have nothing in common with and you're, you're trying to figure out, like, what's the connection? So help me help you kind of a, of a scenario. 
Exactly. And almost always, at least with the folks I work with, the thing that the other person needs to help you is more specificity. That's, that's basically, which is so funny because it's, it's almost like a paradox because you'd think, well, anybody introduce me to anybody. Well, but who they need more specificity to even think of someone. It seems counterintuitive, but it's really true. Well, I have a, a friend who she's a great connector of people. I really like her and I like the people I've met through her. But what cracks me up is whenever anybody moves to California, she introduces them to me. I'm like, California is like, there's a lot of places in California. We, we literally could never see each other. And it's a social introduction, really, not a business introduction. I talk to these people. They're really interesting. We make a note to maybe meet up if we're in the same town at the same time. But it cracks me up. And I can't bring myself to say, don't send me people just because they're in California, because she's great. And I like the people I've met, but it just, it always cracks me up. It's, it, they're of limited value in the sense of developing a relationship because we're, we're in totally different places and they're trying to get used to their new community of which I know nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a little <laughs> yeah. bit too broad, but for, yeah. for whatever reason in her mind, you're pigeonholed as the California person. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of cute. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, if anybody needs recommendations for Rhode Island restaurants, I'm your guy. (laughs) Feel free. Hey, listen, Providence was just named like one of the hot cities for hot restaurant cities in America. So yeah, it's great. Right in the middle of it. Yeah, there's a good cooking school right here. So people, they have to do externships in the city and then they graduate and open their own restaurants. It's like bizarre. Like I would think of you as, as my L.A. friend, not the California friend. But like Rhode Island's, small. <laughs> but Rhode Island's smaller than L.A., so it's, I, can be the, I can be the entire state guy if you want, dear listener. Okay. <laughs> In L.A. and Palm Springs, I'm your person. There you go. If you need somebody to, to uh, pick colors for your place in Palm Springs. <laughs> <laughs> here we um, are. All right. So have we covered all the bases here? What are we leaving out? How to keep your network in motion. I want to come back for just a moment to that imperative to share. It's that sharing. You're not going to hit the bullseye every time when you're sharing with someone, but that's part of what you really need to do to get out of that, that the rut of expertise, you know, where you're on that kind of hamster wheel, you're billing time, billing time, billing time, and you're not stepping back and really running a business. I, I just think that the more you start to share, even in very tiny ways, the more other people share with you. And it's, it snowballs in a good way. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. It's kind of like, look up from your workbench, from your doing your, your technician thing, like your expertise thing. And like, you're getting really good at this and you're building your expertise and your mastery and it feels great. And you're like, man, I really, I really know this stuff. Like, this is really good. And which is fine. If you're like a scientist at Monsanto or something, great. But if you're going to run a business, then you need to do these other things like fostering relationships. You can call it marketing or content marketing. You can call it outreach, whatever you want to call it. You need to be in contact with people. It's like full stop. Like if you don't want to do that, get a regular job. If but you got to figure out how to with your personality and your uh, call it level of gregariousness, like what all of those, whatever you're wherever you are on that scale, you have to figure out a way that's comfortable for you and relatively 
frictionless and pain-free that you can work this into a routine some kind of maybe daily habit would be great i think daily habits are easier to form than any other kind but at least set up triggers and the conditions to have you do the right thing by accident almost there's no need to use introversion as an excuse. I've got clients, I'm thinking of one in particular who is the original introvert, but man, is he good at emails. He is always checking in. He always has something positive to say. People love him, and but he doesn't go out that much. You know, he's very quiet. He's very reserved. But when people see him, they like put their arms around him and say, I'm so happy to see you. How are you? Tell me about this. I mean, he is beloved. He really is. And just, it's just, I don't want to say just, I mean, it's emails, but it's, he puts his, his personality and his care into it. And it's, he's amazing. Yeah. There you have it. Proof positive. Yeah. Introverts can rule too. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, I guess that'll do it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for The Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.